Hello, and welcome to episode one of Arg My Optics, a brand new podcast where two adult men discuss, overanalyze, and generally take a kid's cartoon and toy line a little too seriously. That cartoon and toy line being predominantly, but not exclusively, Transformers. In this particular episode, we'll be discussing the Netflix series Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise. I am your host, Orion Gear. Not my real name. And with me is my young co-host, Virtual Dave. Again, not his real name. Dave, let's hear a bit about your Transformers credentials. I'm what you would call a younger collector in the range of Transformers, Almada, forward. Love Transformers. I love talking about it. And that's why we're here. <laughs> cool. Yes, I'm a little bit older than you. I started at the beginning in '84. Uh, I was six, I believe. So I got all of G1, dropped off around the end of G2, and then came back to it all a bit later on. And it's like a terrible, terrible habit that I can't, I can't <laughs> kick. And I'm, uh, yeah, currently experiencing my third relapse. And as far as War for Cybertron goes, I don't buy the toys, but I was interested in watching the uh, TV series. Talking of which, today we are discussing Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise, which is the second Netflix six-episode miniseries in the War for Cybertron trilogy. It debuted on the 28th of December 2020, five months after the first part of the trilogy, War for Cybertron Siege. To briefly recap, Siege featured a war-torn Cybertron, where the heroic Megatron and his Decepticons had all but won. However, the evil Optimus Prime and his small band of Autobots continue to thwart his plans for world peace. Due to Optimus Prime's obstinance and petty vendetta against Megatron for killing his father figure Alpha Trion, Megatron is forced to get creative, which leads him to seek out the Allspark, the source of all life on Cybertron, and use its power to forcibly reformat what remains of the Autobots into Decepticons. Fair enough, right? Yeah. No, not for Prime it's not. (laughs) So to stop him, the Autobots go on a quest to retrieve the Allsparks themselves and get it away from Megatron, culminating in Prime electing to take the Allspark off-world using the Ark, so Megatron cannot get it. And in doing so, dooming Cybertron. What a knob. (laughs) Prime and Megatron fight, Bumblebee does a hot rod impersonation, Omega Supreme bursts out the ground, Astro Train is gigantic for no reason, and the Allspark ends up lost in space. Prime and most of the Autobots leave in search of it on the Ark, whilst Alita 1 and a handful of Autobots remain on Cybertron to face Megatron and generally deal with the mess their boss made while their planet dies around them. That's all correct, right? Nothing to add? No, that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not exactly what happens. And if you would like a more accurate account of what transpires in Siege, we have made a bonus episode, which you'll find just behind this in the feed, covering that miniseries. But one of our major complaints, or or bones of contention with Siege, was that it was a little ambiguous as to who the good guys were. Yeah, yeah. You go into it knowing that the Autobots are good and the Decepticons are bad, but it almost feels like the show is trying to make you think otherwise constantly. Yeah. Oh, maybe the Autobots are not the good guys at all. Yeah, and, it re- and they really struggled to, um, to swing that back the other way. What did it for me was that whole thing with Prime being okay with putting a bomb in Jetfire's head. <laughs> yep. what (laughs) yeah and then there was the bit where bumblebee did not want to join the autobots so in response to that alita one puts a gun to his head and is about to execute him are these the good guys my heroes yeah great yeah (laughs) 
But we digress, this episode is about Earthrise. We'll be talking about all six episodes, so if you haven't watched it, here's your spoiler warning. Turn us off, go watch it, come back later and compare notes. Unless you don't care. In that case, listen on. With that out of the way, Dave, what were your initial thoughts on Transformers, War for Cybertron, Colon, Earthrise? Uh, I liked it. Certain character arcs kind of improved for me in Earthrise. I liked certain aspects of Optimus Prime in the series a lot more than I did in Siege. Actually, the Autobots in general were a lot more compelling in this series. In, in Siege, it was mostly the only one I could resonate with was Megatron. I mean, that was about it. Mm-hmm. But in this, they've kind of fleshed out more of the characters, but, you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd agree with some of that. I do think that they made more of an effort to flesh out some of the characters, particularly Prime and Megatron. But um, I didn't really find that any of the Autobots resonated any more with me than previous. They were, I mean, the Autobots are still the weakest (laughs) part of the show. I liked how the dynamic changed with Alita 1, like from the get-go, she's she's doing these like renegade saving civilian missions. Mm -hmm. And Jetfire is saying all the stuff she needs to say to Prime about her. (laughs) And when he was in charge, like, "Um, are you sure this is a good idea? I mean, feels like a trap. I mean, I used to be a Decepticon. This this feels like a trap. Yeah, but she's a more competent leader than Prime. She is a more competent leader, but I still get the feeling that she is starting to get why Prime might have done the things he did or why he had to have had to make those decisions because she's in that position now. Sure. And I mean, when you were talking about the other Autobots and how they may have resonated a bit more and been fleshed out a bit, I didn't really think about Elite One because there's a gap of about two or three episodes where we don't even see her. Yeah. And that's a, that's a problem I had with Siege and a problem I think is still present in Earthrise. Pacing is really kind of off. The first three episodes were boring. <laughs> Nothing happened in them. They were boring and confusing. And it wasn't until you got to episode four, five, and six that things started actually happening. And then it all happened very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that these things have been put together as more like six-part movies, but they are episodic, so you've got to pace it right. Otherwise, it feels a bit kind of like, why am I watching this? I do agree with that. It doesn't feel like it should be um, episodes at all. It feels like you just watch it in one go, which is, I mean, the whole point of streaming it, but it's... It is, but why not make it a movie? I have no idea. I don't understand if they were releasing it like weekly or something, but they didn't even do that. No, it's all dropped at the same time. Yeah. It just felt that there was a lot of kind of nothing happening in the first half of it. Um, there's plenty of stuff I really liked about it. I, I possibly liked it a little bit more than Siege, but only a, only a smidgen. Really? I thought you would have liked it more. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think you would have that, that view on it. Prime still still crap. <laughs> yeah. The hero of the show is still not very heroic. I I guess they tried to explain that with the whole thing with Skylinks. It's like, look, Prime, you're doing a terrible job. You keep going this way, you could be like this, or you could be like this. I loved and hated that episode. <laughs> Similar amounts. I love the fact that they were giving us loads of backstory, which I've been crying out for, because Siege had none of it. There was loads of like little kind of 
bits about what was happening and about Megatron's revolution and how that happened and why Prime is in the position he's in and why Ultra Magnus was in a position he's in, but they never really went into any of it. It's very vague. Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked that in that episode, I think it's episode five, Yeah. maybe four, I think it's five, which is the penultimate episode. They gave us loads and loads of backstory, which was great, but it was just a flashback episode. Massive info dump. Here's loads of stuff about the two main characters, Prime and Megatron, and why they're doing what they're doing. Prime and Skylinks, for some reason. Because toy. Because yeah. toy, <laughs> yeah. And then you've got Megatron and Galvatron. And it's just kind of the two of them walking them through their lives. This, this is your life. <laughs> and then showing them possible uh, futures, which I liked, but at the same time, it just felt like a very kind of clunky kind of plot device. My optics! The fan service, shall I call it, is it's a lot more spread out in this series than I felt in Siege. I felt like there was all these little tidbits of like, your name used to be Ariel, or I should call you Orion Pax now. And all these different like hints of things were, it felt better used here. It wasn't like driving the plot or anything. It wasn't pushing the story, but it was just the way it was sprinkled around. I liked a bit more. I, mm. I, I had kind of slightly the opposite reaction because I thought it was a little heavy-handed in places. Oh, like the number of times Megatron quotes himself from G1 was just silly. <laughs> Transformers, War for Cybertron, Earthrise, 2020. I'll tear Prime to pieces with my bare hands. Transformers the movie. 1986. No! I'll crush you with my bare hands! Earthrise. I still function. To what end? Movie. Wait, I still function. Wanna bet? Earthrise. Mercy. Please, Optimus. I beg of you. Movie. No more Optimus Prime! Grab me mercy, I beg of you! Prime does that line about more than meets the eye, and mm -hmm. he's like, well, yeah, but you guys don't have eyes. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the podcast? <laughs> Optimus. <laughs> exactly. Don't have eyes. So it was a bit strange, but yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. And yeah, the aerial thing was quite cool, and the stuff about Orion Pax and the, the flashbacks were good. I really liked those when we went back and saw um, Alpha Trion, there were flashbacks in this mm -hmm. series. There were no flashbacks in Siege, and I felt that it was really lacking because it's, it's much better to show rather than tell. Yes. And yes. In, in Siege, they did a lot of long speeches at each other rather than just show us what happened, you know? So I thought that was good. My Probably my favourite episode was the fourth episode when prime and megatron got trapped together oh yeah yeah i thought that was really well done and it was probably was the first time in the whole of war for cybertron where we've seen them interact together without kind of the kind of posturing of you're the baddie i'm the goodie kind yeah. of stuff going on. yeah and that was good and you could see how the two of them were kind of symbiotic and they were the yin to each other's yang it was a good it was a good scene and I, I like that whole episode where they have to fight together to beat Scorponok and 
it kind of like crumbles down into like Megatron betraying them again. Yeah. Prime saying you, you're becoming a Quintesson. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how do you? <laughs> yeah. It's a very good way of putting them together on that type of level playing field. That was a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice, and it was it was interesting to learn. What kind of Prime turns around to Megatron and says, "You need me for you to to have the power that you have. If you didn't have." An enemy, a, a a villain like me. Yeah, he does. He actually does describe himself as a villain, which is quite interesting. Yeah. But yeah, you need a villain for your troops to rally against, which only makes me think: if Prime knows this, <laughs> why is he still doing it? I really liked that first episode opening scene where Megatron's talking to the head of Ultra Magnus on the desk. Yes. Yeah, I did. I thought that was interesting. It's a shame it didn't really carry on. No. It would have been nice if he'd taken the head with him on the Nemesis. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah. It was a weird type of dynamic. Yeah. But at the same time, it was because um, he did have it when he brought Elite One to speak to him later on. But yeah, it would have been nice if they carried that along. Yeah, I liked it because it shows that even though he's a psychopath, he has a respect for Ultra Magnus. Yeah. Uh, and respect for Prime, really, in a way. And like he respects these people, but he also knows that he needs to take them out. Again, that scene where they were together, trapped, and he basically says to Prime, your best move here is to kill me. Why aren't you killing me? Mm. You can see how hamstrung Prime is by his ethics and morals. Wit almost falls off his pedestal in the last episode, where he pretty much decides he's going to kill Megatron. I was more questioning the whole thing of him shouting that for him to forgive him which was a weird thing yeah i'm gonna kill you but i need you to need you to tell me it's all right yeah like that i didn't i didn't get i didn't agree with that that was very out of the out of well not really out of character for this prime but it was very weird Mm -hmm. for you to say as you're about to shoot someone (laughs) yeah again there wasn't so much of the stuff that we saw in siege where there was some weird editing and people said really weird stuff but that might have been one of those examples I think the point there was that he'd made a calculated decision, a bit like Megatron does all the time, which was, if I do this one bad thing now, it'll stop countless of other bad things happening later. I need to kill you because you're going to cause death and destruction for many other people in the future. I did like that first few episodes where, no, it was not the first episode, wasn't it, where he, Shockwave, like I said, has come up with all these plans to mm-hmm. gather energy on, and he's talking about a certain sector. And then make sure that she goes down there himself. Yeah, I'll take the walk around. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, I suppose one of my criticisms was that the first few episodes were slow, but I did appreciate that he did that because it kind of, again, it adds more to his character. Mm -hmm. The thing is, they've done a really good job with Megatron. They need to concentrate more on some of the Autobot characters. They've done a great job with Megatron. I think they've done a great job with Shockwave. He got a lot more screen time this time around. I liked his evil machinations. I liked that he he's basically the little devil on Megatron's shoulder <laughs> going, we could do this. I mean, it's not very ethical, but you know, who cares? I liked what he was doing in the final episode where he was basically just sucking energy off of other, other Decepticons. He'd become a vampire. He's just a badass. That felt so much like a, like a, like a boss battle type of scenario. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, I just thought, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he said that earlier. He said that he got rid of his emotions. So 
Yeah. It's brilliant. I've got a soft spot for Shockwave. And I always thought the Shockwave in the cartoon was so simpering and boring and... Orion Gear is referring to the original cartoon version of G1 Shockwave. Whereas the one in Marvel Comics was a contender for leadership. And I liked that this Shockwave was more interesting and certainly has his own agenda. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely more going on there. He's a Decepticon. He's loyal to Megatron, but I don't think he's loyal to Megatron any further than his logic would dictate. Yes. If it became illogical to follow Megatron, he'd stop. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to get explored any further because of where we end up at the end of the season. But I really like that. I did like the dynamic of Starscream taking over the Decepticons for that whole 10 minutes. He did it a couple of times. I kind of like that he didn't say it, like those words, like, yeah, Decepticons follow me and all that. His classic G1 lines. Yeah, no, exactly. He, he was still very much the Starstream character we know and love, yeah. but he didn't, yeah, he wasn't hamming it up. Even when he, um, he got back to the ship and he was like, oh, Megatron's dead, it's fine, <laughs> blow it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was really good. And he was also still pretty incompetent, really. I do find it interesting that this Megatron didn't kill him. This one doesn't seem to be you know, too blasé about killing traitors. So I didn't understand why his immediate decision was to get him off the bridge instead of just... I think that this Megatron is far more pragmatic than G1 Megatron. Okay. And I think, he's, I think there's a line in Siege quite early on where he says that um, there's aspects to Starscream's character that he appreciates and needs. And his treachery is not one of them, but there's there's other things. So I think he sees a value in keeping him around. And as soon as he doesn't, he might might get rid of him. That's true. I mean, to be fair, Starscream did do that whole thing on Cybertron where he captured Elite One and the Mm -hmm. other pretty pretty easily, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. That's that's valid. My optics! My, my whole problem from, from this season, though, is it, it was very vague about this whole idea of the AllSpark leaving the planet and what would happen. As far as my understanding was, the planet was already falling apart and dying while it was there. Yeah, but they did say at some point during Siege that if the AllSpark were to leave the planet, it would die. Right. So it wasn't dying while the AllSpark was on the planet. It was just in a right state because it had a massive war. But that's what I'm saying. So I don't understand what difference, because that should be an immediate thing then. It's not like it's dying. It should be dead. Well, yeah, no, but it, things were getting desperate and they needed to get off world and get the AllSpark back. Otherwise, they were all going to die. Mm. I think essentially, I know it's not particularly well communicated, but I think essentially what happens is once the AllSpark left, they were just on a clock. It, you know, eventually all the energy would run out and they'd all die, which is why they had to use the sparks of other Decepticons to fuel the nemesis. Right, okay. I mean, it's very... It's, I mean, I wanted to give it a pass. Is this fine? It's something that I think they should have communicated better. Mm-hmm. The Allspark always plays a different type of MacGuffin role whenever it turns up. And this time, I'm not understanding what the positive for it being on the planet versus the negative. Well, you just said it. It's a MacGuffin. It can be whatever they want it to be. Yeah. So they're probably deliberately vague, so they don't have to explain it. (laughs) But the way I understand it is that the planet itself begins to die when the Allspark is not there. 
prime throughout of the five episodes until he meets Skylinks. He's like proper down. Like he's actually admitting he's done this wrong thing. And that's good. I liked it. There was, there was even, I can't remember what episode it was. Bumblebee's giving him advice or talking to him. And he actually turns around and says, you're right. I was like, oh, you listen to him. <laughs> yeah. His development is slowly happening for him to be a better leader. I agree. He does have a little bit more humility here yeah. and recognises his mistakes and his shortfallings. I still think he's... I still think he's very stupid. <laughs> the Quintessons, well, Quintesson that mm. they get imprisoned by. Decius, I think was the name. Decius. Mm. Yeah, I think it was second episode where Prime and the Autobots have been captured by Double Dealer and they uh, have to escape. And it was a very like Optimus Prime moment where he didn't tell anyone what his plan was. But when the plan went into effect, everyone just trusted him with the plan and it worked out like he saw the opportunity and he took it. You're absolutely right. And he, he did the annoying thing that he was doing all the way through Siege, which was not tell anybody and then just go, I think he just goes Wheeljack and Wheeljack immediately knows exactly what to do. <laughs> exactly what to do. That whole scene was sloppy. <laughs> it's like, so Wheeljack could have freed them all along. Yes. Essentially. Apparently. But Prime decides not to do that yet mm -hmm. because he knows that eventually Double Dealer and his renegades are going to come in through the door and distract them. I think he was trying to find out more information first. But he didn't get any information. Well, that's not... That's... <laughs> Don't use that as a plot device if nothing happens. Well, that happens more than once for him, doesn't yeah. it? He tries to find that stuff and then it, well, it doesn't go very well. And then at the end, at the end of this escape, he tells Double Dealer that he owes him one. <laughs> he captured you and brought you here. <laughs> you know... No, and then also, I don't know whether you noticed this, he issues the order, Autobots, transform and roll no out. <laughs> and almost nobody transforms and rolls out. Most people just run away. Yeah, I did, I did notice that. <laughs> Everyone who hasn't shown their alt mode yet won't transform, yeah. <laughs> There's like kind of six of them and three of them transform. Okay. <laughs> I suppose, though, that's, that maybe is a... Uh, you know, a nice nod to how little they trust him as a leader, maybe. <laughs> My problem with that is with the, when they were on the Ark, I thought a lot more people were on the Ark. Bubble Dealer only came on and only took a few people and was able to take over the ship pretty easily. Like, I don't understand why everyone was in Stasis Lock. For the uninitiated, Stasis Lock is the Transformers equivalent of a coma or being unconscious. Yeah, there was just what Bumblebee, Wheeljack, uh, Ratchet. Mm -hmm. Ratchet just disappeared, didn't he? The Ironhide, Ratchet. There was a lot of people that were there, mm. but then they weren't there, and then they were there again. <laughs> they completely disappeared in the second half of the season. Mm. Had Wheeljack and his uh, plan to blow up that space station stuck in a space bridge, which obviously he already wanted to do because he already had the explosive backpack on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you had Wheeljack and you had that kind of weird dynamic between Wheeljack and Ratchet where I can't work out which one of them is the tech guy. Yeah. Because they both seem to fulfill the same role, which is possibly why they just pushed Wheeljack out at the end because it's like, well, sorry, not Wheeljack, Ratchet out because... You've already got Wheeljack, so you don't need... That's what, um, that's what I said. It was, in, it was a weird thing they did in Siege where they kind of blurred the two. And I understand that if you're a, if you're a doctor, 
but you're a robot. Mm. In a way, you are a technician. But previously, it was previously as in the G1. He's a physician, and the other guy's the inventor, mm. and quite kind of clear line. But that, the the lines are blurred there between those two. But yeah, there were a few characters that were on the arc and then weren't on the arc or didn't appear to be on the arc anymore. And then they were, and then they weren't. Hound just appeared out of nowhere. Yep. And then disappeared. <laughs> All of a sudden, Bumblebee was ordering him around. And I was like, is he here? <laughs> that was a very weird thing as well. Like, I don't think I liked Bumblebee as much in this series because it was such a weird U-turn that he took to being, I'm an Autobot and I'm all for it. And everyone's going to listen to me. <laughs> Yeah, I think the problem with Bumblebee is that the writers are expecting us to assume a lot and they're not giving us the information. They're just going, obviously he's Bumblebee, so he's going to be second in command eventually. No. (laughs) Will Jack would make more sense in the storyline. Yeah. At least we got to see Alpha Trion, which I liked, although... They introduced that he has some weird ability to banish people to the dead universe. Oh, okay. Why? <laughs> Why didn't he do this to Megatron if Megatron killed him? I don't... <laughs> yeah. It seems that he can basically kind of click his fingers and send people to the dead universe. Like, yeah. There were a few little inconsistencies like that. You had that kind of situation with the, the space station, the Nebulon space station that was stuck in the space bridge. And... Prime and Bumblebee went over to the other half of it, which is obviously in a different part of the galaxy because it's through a space bridge. The other guys are still in the other end of the ship and they encounter Scorponok. And Bumblebee or somebody, no, not Bumblebee, sorry, Wheeljack, radios Prime and Bumblebee and says, come help us. So if you can communicate that far across space, why haven't you called home and let Elite One know you're okay? Especially when he found out that Megatron said that she'd be dead or she should be dead soon. You think yeah. when all that battle was over, he would try and contact Cybertron. You'd think it'd be one of the first things he did. Wow. Because the assumption for a lot of them is that... The others are dead. You'd think Prime would go, no, we're not dead. We're getting the Allspark. We're coming back. Mm-hmm. That's a little nitpick, really. There are a few little nitpicks I had, like... Scorponok has a Decepticon's insignia, but he's not a Decepticon, as far as I'm aware. I, did, uh, I didn't like that because they tried to make it out that he was from a different planet altogether. Yeah, so why has he got a Decepticon logo? <laughs> also, when you had the flashback to um, Alpha Trion deciding who was going to be the new Prime, and he had Ultra Magnus, Optimus Prime, and Megatron in front of him. Yeah. Megatron's wearing a Decepticon symbol as well. like yeah. And... Optimus is wearing an Autobot one. So it, it kind of, again, raises the question, what is, a, what is a Decepticon and what is an Autobot and what's the difference? And why would you be handing over or be considering handing over the matrix of leadership to a Decepticon? Mm. It, it's true. It doesn't, it's those little things where in terms of animation, it's easy to correct, but I don't know why they didn't do it. Maybe it's mandated by Hasbro. But as far as I understand it, Hasbro are very kind of hands-off. And if I were Hasbro, I'd be less bothered about whether scorpionox has got a, um, a Decepticon logo on it. I'm more bothered that none of the toys from Earthrise are in this series. <laughs> Although I do I have to say, I really like the moment where Scorpionok has Prime in his hand or claw. Mm-hmm. 
and Megatron shoots him for him to drop Prime because that's on the box art of Scorponog. <laughs> <laughs> it was a proper nerdy moment. I was like, that's great. That's brilliant. That explains that. Oh, okay. Well, I suppose that's good. Yeah. But that is something that's really notable. The fact that there's very few Earthrise toys in yeah. the Earthrise show. So say you're a kid who <laughs> stumbles across Earthrise on Netflix <laughs> and watches it all and goes, oh, wow, this is great. I can buy these in the shop. No, you can't. Earthrise is all but finished, but you could at least probably find some of them in the shops. Yeah. Siege, not so much. And we've already got Kingdom kind of starting to <laughs> filter in. Um, but is it just Scorponok and the Quintesson? Double dealer. Uh, yeah, double dealer. So they're they're Earthrise toys. I guess you could count. Yeah, you can't count the cone heads because they use the Seeker body. They don't use their jet design. Yeah, because they don't transform anyway. So I don't see what they're. <laughs> that's probably why they didn't bother. It feels like they're cutting corners a little bit with the old three um, D modeling. Yes, we're going to have these characters in the show and. We don't want to spend too much time or money doing new models for part two, part three. But they're obviously going to have to do quite a lot for part three because you've got the Beast Wars guys coming in. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a whole bunch of just clones of Einheim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So maybe they're saving money on Earthrise so they can spend a bit more money on... It appears a few extra things really bothered Virtual Dave. So much so that he wished to record the following section. So Dave, I believe you wanted to introduce a new segment to the podcast. What did you want to call it? Um, I'm still working on that that bit. Something along the lines of, it really grinds my gears, but uh, I think I can do better than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. It's It's a work in progress. But basically, it's it's nitpicks from the series. So stuff that we just looked at and thought, how the heck does this work? But I, I believe you have a, a, a list there. So shall we uh, work through them? Yeah, it's a very short list. At the top of the list is how does getting punched in the face equal to them knowing that you put up a fight when the Elite One and all the others were trying to escape i noticed this too i uh, it's one of the decepticons who helps them out yeah um, um sky that's it yeah says punch me in the face or something so it shows you've put up a fight which works if you're a human <laughs> but i'm not sure if a couple of scratches on his to it to his paint job are going to uh show that anything really has happened that whole scene i had an issue with because Jetfire stumbles over and alerts like these random seekers who are behind the other side of a glass wall for some strange reason. It was the wrong tone of comedy to put at that point, I think. It was just, yeah. oh, I'm tall and big, therefore I can't walk straight. Yeah, it didn't, um, it didn't look right. No. <laughs> I remember it happening and I had to rewind and go, what, what happened? Because <laughs> it looked like, at first... Jetfire had just gone over to the window and slapped it with his hand. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why is he doing that? And then it transpired that he tripped. But like, okay, so maybe if you'd at any time in the entire six to eight episodes previous to this, because you've got all of Siege and then you've got, I don't, I don't know whether this was in, this is probably in episode two or something. 
I think so. Yeah, so you've, you've got seven episodes of Jetfire being a fairly prominent character. If you set up that he was clumsy earlier, <laughs> then you could have this as a payoff. But because he'd never been clumsy or anything like that, it just looked weird and unnecessary. What bugged me about it more than anything was that he's he was a Decepticon like last week. So yeah. he should know the best route out or when security patrols are happening or an easy access for him to fly them away. Uh, it didn't make sense to me at all, that whole scene. Was... Yeah, it would have been a nice touch, wouldn't it, to refer to the fact that he used to be a Decepticon and have him help them in that way. Yeah. I mean, I totally get why they went down the route of having some of the Decepticons help them out. Yeah. Because you've got a situation where their leader is starting to harvest their own life force. Mm -hmm. So some of them are starting to lose faith in his leadership. I mean, I guess they did it so they could have that, because that's going to be my other my other point, is that at the end, Skytread is like, don't shoot me, I helped you. Mm -hmm. Even though I just shot Chromia in the face. Yeah. When my, <laughs> I have my invisible cloak on. Agreed. Okay, my last point is about the immediate decision that Omega Supreme died, along with the art disappearing off, that there is never really any mention of him again, except for on the space bridge, they talk about they wish they brought a Titan with them or something, but they have a prime all right so it's fine i mean from what we got of the little bit of a mega supreme in siege he was like he really wanted to stop megatron and if he is still alive he would mm -hmm. want to be stopping what's happening on Earthrise a lot more so yeah did they did they say he was dead no i mean there's just an assumption that they all died but right if the arc is okay surely a mega supreme is fine somewhere yeah, you'd think so. Because that, because that right, if Omega Supreme died, that would have made more sense to me that they used him to make the Nemesis or something. This massive robot, surely he has the parts and the energy you would need. I mean, they could have so easily put in a short line somewhere about Omega Supreme dying and link it to the fact that the Allspark had left the planet. Yeah. And then it would give you a reason to, to believe that the planet was dying. Yeah. Because the... Omega Supreme is a guardian and the guardians are like portrayed as these kind of ancient warriors that have been on the planet since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So you could have killed two birds with one stone there. You could have explained why he's not around and you could have explained the effect of the Allspark leaving the planet. Now you mentioned that it's interesting that Omega Supreme doesn't have an Autobot insignia and therefore he, I mean, he shouldn't, but mm -hmm. Scorponok has the Decepticon one for less of any reason at all. Yeah, I didn't notice whether Omega Supreme had any insignia or not, but I did notice that Scorponok had one, and I thought, I thought that was odd, um, as we've previously discussed. I don't know, I, th I think there's just, he was used as a plot device, wasn't he, in um, Siege, so I think they just forgot about him, <laughs> which is weird. Not even the characters talk about him, you know? It's like, even the Decepticons don't mention him. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that little aside. If not, please address all complaints to Virtual Dave. We now return to our regularly scheduled programming. We had a lot more in this season of angry, shouty Battle Prime, <laughs> where his voice completely changes. Whoever's doing the voice just completely like, breaks character and starts speaking like how they normally speak. <laughs> The voice of Optimus Prime is performed by Jake Fushi, 
a voice actor born in 1997 who grew to fame by impersonating Optimus Prime on YouTube, apparently. Well, it's just it just kind of goes all kind of shouty and angry and it sounds more like the voice of a Decepticon than a than an Autobot. Yeah. And it would make more sense if all the other Autobots were yelling too, but they're not. So they're all talking in their normal voices. Don't worry, Prime. And he's going, Why have you got to shout in this really rough, angry, really <laughs> aggressive way? And everyone else is just going, uh, Chill out. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just true. I mean, even Megatron doesn't really shout that much. No, so. <laughs> no Megatron's pretty much, you know, not emotionless, but he kind of keeps it down until he needs to kind of uh, get angry. They're still doing the same stunted, slow delivery. It's not quite as bad, but honestly, I watched a lot of this on 1.25 speed and it didn't make a difference. <laughs> I think it was a less of a problem in this series than it was in Siege, mm -hmm. but it is definitely still there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. There's not quite so much of it. <laughs> this is a problem I have with all of Siege all of Earthrise, is that there are things that come up that seem quite interesting and then they're never taken to fruition. They're always kind of like, we're going to disregard that now because we're moving on to the next thing. Yeah. In Earthrise, we have the Quintazon, Decius. Seems like an interesting character, not quite sure what she's up to. And then she just disappears and she reappears at the end for no apparent reason. I'm not quite sure why. Yep. Yep. Scorponok, he gets kind of angry about his planet and so on. And it starts to look like he could be an ally. And then they forget about him. Mm -hmm. They all fly off. Do they just leave him there? I mean, he, he goes into the dead zone, I would imagine, with the rest of them. But Don't see him again, do we? So, yeah, there are parts where you would like them to stick with this particular plot device. And then they go, well, yeah, but we've got to go back to the Megatron hates Prime, Prime hates Megatron. Let's have a fight. Who's going to get the creation matrix thing? I mean, I guess you kind of have to give it that it only has to be six. It has to be six episodes. And they're not even like they're an hour long or anything. They're only like 20 minutes. Yeah. But the thing is, as we've discussed previously, it's not a six-episode miniseries. I mean, it is a six-episode miniseries, but really, it's a six-part movie. Yeah. And one thing I noticed when putting together the previous podcast, none of the episodes have titles. They're all episode one, episode two, episode three. There's no titles to any of them. That's interesting. Because there's no beginning, middle, and an end to each episode. It's all one kind of like stream of one big long movie. Hmm. So it's weird. It's, it's like what they've done is they've gone, right, this is episodic. So we've got to have a new thing that happens in each episode. But at the same time, we're going to have a long arcing storyline throughout the whole thing. And by doing so, hmm. every time a new thing happens, that gets disregarded when we go into the next episode, even though the same story is happening. For instance, you get the new thing in this episode is there's a giant bloody scorpion. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. But the next episode, you're in the dead zone. We don't see him anymore. Instead, we've got a space shuttle that looks like a bird. <laughs> yeah. And the previous episode, we had an egg with, with four faces. It, it's just like, this is the new thing for this episode. 
But we're not going to see him in the next episode. It's going to be disregarded. We're going to forget about it. It makes it feel more and more like the more you talk about it, it makes it feel like it's just it's just a toy advert. <laughs> well, it is. It is. But it's not like they're trying to hide it at all. It's just like we have to have these characters from the line displayed in an episode. Yeah. You know that's it. <laughs> but again, the problem with that is. That'd be all fine and dandy if these TV series were coming out as the toys were put, coming out on the shelves, but they're not. Yeah. So, and also they're coming out on a streaming service as, like I say, six-part movies that you can binge watch. So they should be making them more interesting in that way rather than pushing the kind of... And I don't think they are pushing the toy angle, but it does feel that way to a certain extent. I know I read that, that, that Hasbro have are quite hands-off with the production of this series. So you've only got the showrunners to blame, really, for doing it the way they've done it. Yeah, but I, I bet that was part of some kind of contract. Like, you have to show the deluxe classes, you have to show the commander class, you have to show the titan class. Virtual Dave is referring to the various size classes and therefore price points of Transformers toys. Oh yeah, I'm in full agreement with you. I'm sure that that was in there, um, absolutely. But what I mean is that you can do that without making it, this episode, the spotlight is on the Quintazon. This episode, the spotlight is on the Titan class figure. This episode, the spotlight is on Skylinks. They don't have to do it that way. They can just have a variety of characters of different shapes and sizes from the line. Mm. And... You know what makes me buy toys? Giving me characters I like. Yeah. And they don't do that very often. I don't like anybody from Earthrise, really. It's such a, it's just such a shame because it's just if it was written and given the time to expand on the characters, even if it was only a few episodes or an hour movie, it would have been more beneficial in the long run mm-hmm. instead of just the three toy lines and that's it. It could have develop the characters for future iterations. Yeah, exactly. And you could build on it from there and then maybe they could dig themselves out of the nostalgia-shaped hole they've dug themselves into for years. Because if yeah. if these characters end up being the versions of Optimus Prime, Megatron, Bumblebee, Soundwave, Shockwave, Starscream, etc., that replace those old versions, then you can go from there. But they don't because they're all kind of quite dry, uninspired facsimiles of the original characters. And the, the normal like um, excuse for it is that there's too many human characters that you have to explain the plot to or something. This hasn't got any. It is literally all about the Transformers, but they just still have not written them very well. Yeah. I was actually listening back to our discussion about a Siege and kind of going through the things that we were kind of predicting. I predicted that it was a Quintesson rather than the Quintessons, and that was correct. Yeah, you did, yeah. It was interesting to see that them arguing. Mm. As far as I've known, the, the Quintessons are a single mind or a single being, but mm. their consciousness is separated between these different death, pests, whatever. All right. The only time I saw that is what you probably wouldn't even count as a Quintesson is in... Superlink or Energon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that Quintesson would argue, but it was still, there was one voice that led the rest. Yeah. 
yeah, I think they, they just went at a, different, at a different angle this time, which I liked. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, I'm conflicted, and I'm going to do something really drastic and chop the, chop the other five faces <laughs> off. That was pretty cool. I like that, because before that, Prime says, they are deliberating, and we can use it our, to our advantage. Mm. <laughs> and then immediately... <laughs> They chop the faces off. <laughs> Immediately that goes out the window, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's that's prime for you. <laughs> so what else did we have on the old predictions? I said that the Quintessons wanted the Allspark. They didn't. They weren't really... Well, did they? I don't think they did. I'm not even sure what they were up to. They were just doing their, their thing. You know, was, you're innocent, so we're going to kill you because of the crimes you did against us. Yeah. And... So I thought that was a Quintesson speaking, but it was either Skylink or Skylinks, sorry, or Galvatron, um, I think, that was talking about the future not being set and we need you to to help us find the Allspark, blah, blah, blah. I think I've got Galvatron pretty much bang on. Yeah, time travelling, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a possible future version of Megatron. Came back through the dead universe using some kind of grid thing that looks suspiciously like the reformatting from uh, the, the movie and is basically wanting Megatron to get hold of the Matrix I assume to prevent Unicron from eventually taking control of him which he does I did like that Megatron ended up with the Matrix and he wouldn't have done that unless a Galvatron came and said it to him yeah. he was like why do I want that I don't need it yeah Megatron did pull a very strange face though when he opened up Prime's chest <laughs> I don't know why he made a kind of like Oh, what's this? It's the Matrix. That's what you were expecting to find there, isn't it? It's an empty chasm because the Matrix is not in that time. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he didn't show that shot. (laughs) I see, I see. Yes, well, maybe. But yeah, fairly bang on with Galvatron. We both pretty much nailed it with Nemesis Prime being a bit of a red herring. Yes. It really was no more than that scene that you saw in the trailer. I, I feel so bad for the people that bought that toy for that. <laughs> to be honest, the people that bought that toy are the people who always buy the black repaint of Prime. So it, it doesn't really matter. I suppose, but it's like it's, it was in the spoiler box mm-hmm. of what they bought in their own trailer. <laughs> Virtual Dave is referring to Hasbro's War for Cybertron trilogy spoiler packs, which include action figures said to be spoilers for the series. These are usually more show-accurate decos of existing figures. Nemesis Prime was included in one such pack, and therefore Dave is a bit miffed he didn't really feature an Earthrise. A fair point, but what does he expect from a cynical marketing stunt? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I'm glad, personally, because I find the concept of Nemesis Prime so dull. I'm not interested in an evil Prime. Oh. <laughs> How many times has... Almost every franchise done this. It's the bad version from the bad universe, or whatever. <laughs> I didn't want to see that, and I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that. Again, it was a possible future for Prime if he went down the wrong path. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. I said there'd be more flashbacks, which there were, but I did predict a kind of Transformers version of Quantum Leap that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, that they would have to go through a portal to do something, right? Well, you you saw the portal, and because the portal in the in the trailer, the portal was like in a corridor. Yeah, it's not clear that it's a space bridge. So, I mm. thought they'd be kind of jumping back into the past and witnessing things on ch- maybe changing the past. 
in some way that would eventually lead to them crash landing on Earth. Other things, you said the choice of music was good, but it wasn't any different in the actual series, was it really? In this series, mm. in this season, um, no, not really. It wasn't any different. No, it's the same, the same kind of humdrum, average stuff. You did say that Prime will learn from his mistakes, and well, I think he realised his mistakes. I'm not sure he learned from them, but I think he definitely, he definitely started to realise that he'd made mistakes and he'd possibly got it wrong, and maybe he shouldn't be calling all the shots all the time. Yeah, I, I, it's it's not so much that he uh, he was making that type of development now. It was just the fact that he was starting to understand more of what he's done and that he can do better. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what Skylink says to him. He, he has this weight on him, and that's what's making him make these terrible decisions because he's just thinking about everything so much instead of listening yeah. to the, you know, the all bots who actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, basically they go, right, we're going to have to do a whole episode where Skylink explains to the viewer <laughs> why Prime is so rubbish. Yes. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Finally, you were worried about the 3D modelling and the um, countless Ironhide clones, which we did have. And as we mentioned earlier, there was very few new models. Mm -hmm. I I was expecting, well, not expecting, but I was, I thought it was possible that there would be some kind of reformatting during the show to their Earthrise bodies. (laughs) But they didn't because they only got to Earth on the last episode. And then when they get there, it's prehistorica. So there is no almost for them to scan now. Yeah, that was interesting because that's kind of like a mirroring G1 in that the uh, Ark and the Nemesis both crash land on prehistoric Earth. But the difference here is we see, we see a Velociraptor and then we see it must be Dinobot because it's got like an electronic eye. Mm. So that means they're already there? Well, they, well, they were, but I'm guessing they're going to be awake this time. What? Well, no, they weren't. What do you mean? Who, who were? Oh, right. In the terms of the G1 storyline, mm-hmm. if you count Beast Wars, mm-hmm. the arc was always there. It's just that it crash-landed before the Maximals and Predacons arrived. Well, that's what I mean. It's the other way around now. It's the other way around, yeah. yeah. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that when the Ark and the Nemesis crashed the G1, there was no Maximals or, or Predacons there. And now there are. Yeah. Maybe that's due to some timey-wimey, time travel stuff. Who knows? I guess we're going to have to find out whether the Maximals and the uh, Predacons are the descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons or not. Because then that would mean they would be from a different future than the one Galvatron came from? Or much further in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I thought that was interesting, though. I did, I, I did think that the, the last three episodes really picked up the pace and... We're good. I just thought that it, it could have some of that stuff could have been stretched out into the first three, and it would have been a more entertaining season. My All right. Well, I think um, we've done it. So uh, ratings, I guess. Should we should we rate it? Yeah. I've explained before, but obviously this is the first episode officially. <laughs> what we're going to do with the rating system here is we're going to rate on a scale of wheelie to. Whatever your favorite character from Transformers a movie 1986 is. The only Transformers movie there has ever been. There are no others. So what would you give it? I want to say it's a cross between Blaster and Ultra Magnus. I can't pick between the two. Probably mm-hmm. Blaster. Like Blaster, I like the little pockets 
of goodness that's throughout this series. Like there's really nice little callbacks or fight scenes that are quite entertaining. And some of the visual effects are still pretty good. But there are those random moments where Blast is a bit useless and they don't mm-hmm. <laughs> use him properly. And I feel like that is still a problem here. It's like there's there's pockets of goodness and it's getting it's getting better. Yeah. But it's still there's a bigger unused characters or things that don't really go anywhere or drag the the pacing. So yeah. Solid blaster. Yeah. Uh, I I think this this sounds like high praise. It really isn't. I think I'd probably go with Hot Rod. Wow. Because Hot Rod, well, it's kind of a reverse Hot Rod in that um, Hot Rod starts out as a very fun, interesting character, very uh, lots of great stuff going on. And then at the end of the movie, he takes over as leader and no one wanted him to. <laughs> and it's, it's ultimately disappointing. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's what this... Was it kind of in reverse? It was more disappointing at the beginning and a bit better at the end, but still, it just felt like there was some stuff lacking. I was hoping for better, and it is mildly better than Siege in a few ways, but I would say only it's only by degrees. It's only by, like, you know, a smidge. Yeah. Okay, so um, any predictions for Kingdom, or do you think it's a bit too early? I think my biggest prediction with Kingdom is that this roster that we've seen in the toy line will not appear. I think that's almost like a certainty now. What, you mean the the Kingdom toy line? The Kingdom toy line, Okay. Well, I would say that you've almost definitely got to have Optimus Primal, Megatron, Dinobot, I don't know. I reckon we'll get most of the Beast Wars guys. I just don't know if you'll see a Cyclonus or a Hot Rod. Or I mean, I know Hot Rod's in the studio series, but it's all the same thing, really, isn't it? I mean, even Galvatron was, is meant to be part of the Kingdom line, but he showed up in Yeah, this. I don't think Galvatron will show up again. I doubt, well, maybe, but I doubt it, that you would get these, um, their version of Cog, these... Fossilizers. Fossilizers. Because we don't have any of the the ironworks or the other ones from the Earthwise. Virtual Dave is referring to the gimmicks applied to the entire War for Cybertron line. These involve transforming figures that also double as weapons, armor, and accessories for the larger figures. So far, only one such figure, a weaponizer called Cog, has appeared in the show. So maybe it will be. Um, maybe it will be. Beast Wars Megatron leading a an army of fossilizers. Maybe. I can't see them not putting Optimus Primal in. I suppose they could not, but clearly it looks like Dinobot's going to be in it for sure. Well, Dinobot and Cheetor is a certainty because he's got a Netflix toy, so he should be in it. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Most of the other stuff, no. Most of the G1 stuff, but... I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe put some of the Earthrise toys that they didn't put in Earthrise. Maybe. Because they're finally on Earth. I wonder who they, how they're going to incorporate the Titan class for the kingdom. Like how all of a sudden does the Ark transform? Oh, God, yeah. Because they kept that quiet, haven't they? Yeah. In that <laughs> case. Oh, um, by the way, we forgot to mention, 
the Ark transforms into a massive robot, <laughs> which would have been really useful during that fight in space earlier. Or having to bring a space station out of a space bridge. Like we could have transformed the Ark and just pulled it out. Absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. It would have been really, really useful ages ago, but we, we didn't use it because uh, no reason. Um, maybe the old spark could bring it to life, I suppose, or it might do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's too early to say. I'd, I'd be interested to see what's in the trailer when they get around to doing one. Because there's so many different ways you can go now that you've got Beast Wars and G1 kind of yeah. meshing together. It's true. Okay, that's the show. We hope you enjoyed our ramblings, and if you did, please do like and subscribe or do whatever it is you need to do to show your appreciation. Please check out our bonus episode on War for Cybertron Siege, just behind this in the feed. We plan to do more episodes like this, reviewing shows, but also discussions on the larger fandom and the peculiar nature of collecting toys. So please do tune into those also. In the meantime... You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Gear Orion and Orion underscore Gear, respectively. And Dave, where can they find you? I'm Virtual Dave 26 on Instagram. You can definitely find me there. Thank you. Right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. Please join us again next time on Ag My Optics.